Welcome to You Talks, brought to you by State of You. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of You Talks, the very own State of You podcast. Today we have a very special guest, Rena. Hi, Rena. How are you? Hi, I'm doing really good. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> of course, thank you for spending time with us mm. and having this talk with us. Um, Rena is a young activist. She has been nominated for the International Children Peace Prize 2022. And today we are going to talk about youth participation and activism in general. So, Rena, yeah. can you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, so hi everyone. My name is Rena Kawasaki. I'm 17. I'm living in Osaka, Japan, and I, I'm what people consider a political activist. <laughs> nice. So I wanted to ask you, first of all, like, how did you get into this whole political activism? Like, I know for what you told me, mostly, <laughs> that it's not easy in Japan for a mm -hmm. young person to get into this kind of activism mm -hmm. and activism in general. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, definitely. So um, I first got interested in activism in a kind of negative way, actually, okay. when I saw um, this corrupt politician being interviewed on TV, um, where he was apologizing for using taxpayers' money um, in Japan um, for his private uses. And that kind of impacted me a lot, where I first found out that oh, there's this major problem that's not being talked about in Japan, um, and it severely needs to be changed and talked about. So I think that's my first start, especially in political activism. Yeah. Okay. Why do, do you think this is not talked about at all? So in Japan, um, as some of you may know, um, it's not really considered a positive thing to talk in general about deep, like, like societal or even personal issues. So you can imagine if you're not going to talk about deep personal issues to um, people that are close to you, you're not going to talk about your political beliefs or any societal issues. And I think that's not the, just the case for Japan. I think a lot of Asian countries are like that. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it, I think it's really hard to even like speak up and think about it. Yeah. So what did you do when like you saw this old person and this politician that I guess you thought like, was there to do your best interest mm. and was really not doing that. What did you do to try to change that? Yeah, so I was doing a lot of different activism that was not political. So I kind of knew how to do events, do that sort of campaign. However, um, for a long time, I thought like, especially for politics, for environmental policies and um, educational policies, I thought I could change very arrogantly, I thought, easily um, through my activism. But I thought um, because of that specific politician, I thought politics was a realm that I could never change and that especially in a country like Japan, it's, um, it's not possible to. So I, after a very long time, the first time I saw that TV show was like 12, um, like just recently, like, last year or like two years ago, I started getting interested in how we can change that political sphere because I thought that was the root of all problems yeah. at this point. Um, so yeah, I started doing Zoom calls with local politicians and getting youth um, engaged in that to try to inspire them to go to elections to voice their own opinions um, in front of people. So that's, I think, the first thing that I did, yeah. Okay, I think sometimes especially when I was younger, like 
I felt this will to speak up about issues around me, but I often felt alone mm -hmm. about it. And it was very hard to engage with other young people about this kind of issue. Have you ever felt the same way? And like, if you did, how did you finally get or got through to those people? And like, how did you got them to back you up? Mm, so very good question. By the way. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I definitely had that sort of um, sense of lack of confidence in talking to people about these issues because I thought I was the only one that was so passionate that I would like cry in front of like a TV when some sort of news um, that was devastating to society was happening. I thought I was the only one. Yeah. And I think what really changed me is when I interviewed youth that I thought weren't interested in that sort of societal issue for a documentary I was making for a fellowship. And that really changed me because these kids that I thought didn't even care or didn't even think about it in the first place. When I gave them an opportunity to like answer these very like kind of deep questions, they were the ones that gave the most um, brilliant answers and they were so concerned about it. So concerned in fact that they didn't want to talk about it and they wanted to pretend that they weren't interested in it. So I, I heard a lot of adults in Japan saying that, oh, youth these days only look at social media. They only are concerned is what is what happening on the screen. But I found that to be not true. Um, and it was kind of uh, like mm, influencing my beliefs at that point. Yeah. But um, after that interview and after those rounds of interviews that I did with very random youth that I picked off of my um, following list, um, it was very inspiring to see that these youth really want something to change. It's just that they don't have the opportunity to talk about it and actually act on it. So yeah, I think that sort of conversation led to the activism and the organization that I'm running right now. Yes, I love your organization. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, so um, my organization, Zaisha, organization that I founded in Japan with my friend Tanishika um, is um, Earth Guardians Japan. It's actually a branch of a much bigger organization called Earth Guardians that is in 63 countries. Wow. Um, I'm also on the international board right now, which nice. is very exciting. But um, anyways, so I started this organization, Earth Guardians Japan, because I found out that youth, um, especially who had never done activism before, don't really have that first step in kind of jumping into this like deep water yeah. of trying something new and actually putting their like ideas in action which is very hard in Japan as a country you can imagine after I talked about it a very long time so um yeah we thought we found out that it was really hard for youth to take that first step into activism which is actually our organization motto to be the first step for um, youth and youth in Japan to take action internationally so we wanted to make an organization that was essentially a national network of youth that whenever there was something that was wrong, um, whether in their local community or in school, they can immediately speak up and gain support from that community. So that's the sort of organization we wanted to make. That's super cool. Thank you. That's very nice. <laughs> I think it's fundamental not to feel alone in mm, this, right? Very true. Yeah. And I think feeling part of a community, it's mm. what helps you mm. when it's hard and it becomes super hard. and. Mm. You know, yeah, I get it. Yeah, very true. <laughs> and yeah. I think that at State of Youth, we kind of do the same thing. Mm, so it's really heartwarming to see other young people and other organizations doing the same thing mm. and, you know, try to build a community of young change makers. Mm -hmm. So that's very, very nice. Cool. Mm -hmm. So what was your goal when you started your political activism? And 
do you think you're getting there and you know what are the plans and the steps that you want to make to really get there yeah so the first goal that i ever had which was pretty oddly specific was to establish the first first un ambassador program in yeah. japan so that youth can actually take part in governmental decisions as a representative of japan so that's the whole reason i kind of started this political activism and um, that's why i actually reached out and tried to get nominated for this award in the first place is that i thought if i can get a global platform and like an international platform to kind of like sponsor my opinions, I can um, relatively um, kind of easily reach out to the Japanese government to kind of pressure them into creating this position, um, long-term position for youth. So I think that was an oddly specific goal, but what I really wanted to do was um, create permanent positions and permanent ways for youth to engage in governmental decisions and make a pathway for youth that wanted make a change to actually see that change reflected in governmental policies. So I think I'm not that far ahead yet. Um, I still think that it's still a breakthrough point at this point um, where I could um, finally engage with government of Tokyo, government of Mihama, um, at, which is a lo very local government. And so, yeah, I think I'm not very far along. And I don't want people to think that I'm, I'm going to give up pretty soon. I think it's going to be a lifetime's work and I'm ready to make that commitment. So I think I'm still like still starting to re um, reach that goal. Yeah, that's very humble and very inspiring. <laughs> yeah, very Japanese. As well. <laughs> yeah. But that's very nice. Um, but I think you're not giving enough credit to yourself. Like <laughs> no, you, you really much did a lot already, no, but no. I understand the mm. will to move forward and mm. to do even more. Mm -hmm. That's very nice. It's very inspiring. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and um, in all of this work until now, did you face any challenge mm -hmm. or I'm sure you did, like if you did, which challenges and how did you overcome them? Yeah, so definitely for when working with Japanese governments, there's a very standardized procedure of how things are done traditionally, mm -hmm. which was very hard to break down. Um, so basically, we had to follow the sense of paperwork, we had to do hearings, we had to um, gain enough evidence that to prove that our QR code system that we implemented in the city of Nihama would actually work, and that... Um, we had to, we also proposed that the QR code designs had to be non-traditional. There's a very specific design pattern for um, governmental offices in general that makes it very unapproachable to youth. Okay. So we had to kind of look for designers that would actually follow somewhat of a traditional system, but also make it seem that youth um, can be involved and make wa youth want to be involved in that sort of QR code system and giving opinions to the government. So it was very hard for to make the people understand, the people of the government understand that although this is standardized procedure and we really respect that, we have to have some sort of breakthrough in that procedure of implementing new changes in order to make it more effective. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you, how were you successful in this? Like, how did you convince them? Yeah, so I think, first of all, the fact that this government of Nihama had so many nice people was probably <laughs> nice. one of the um, yeah, easiest part, part uh, ma what made the process so easy was yeah. because they were so understanding, yet they were kind of 
um, like held back because of that system. And um, we really took to an emotional uh, method, which was to actually try to convince them with a presentation um, about talking about how youth participation is so important. Yeah. We had, our team actually was the only team to cry in the presentation. Oh, wow. Everyone was like bawling their eyes out at the end. <laughs> um, and the government people were really surprised. I think that's what touched the mayor um, the most yeah. was that um, we essentially had a like kind of emotional approach to it saying that you have kids too and you have probably like grandkids at this point as yeah. well that are going to be influenced by what changes are made to the Nihama government and um, if you are make you allow us to do this kind of ideal idea and implement this sort of idea your kids and many other generations to come would benefit from it so we took a very emotional approach which um wasn't very conventional but it was actually effective i love it yeah <laughs> <laughs> it worked yeah it worked very well <laughs> very nice okay um so like just to summarize it you are telling me that this challenge was overcome by research mm -hmm. so you know your data and yeah go prepared into yeah. a meeting to convince mm. someone yeah. and also appeal to their emotional side, right? Mm. Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> to try to enter into empathy with them and mm. to also relate the issue that they think it's far away from them close to their heart, right? Yeah, as you definitely. said, kids yeah, and kids and grandkids. Yeah. So I really think so as well. And we often forget that government people are people as yeah. well and people that have very real concerns. That's why they're working in the government. Yeah. We often like youth activists are often against the government and trying to like put put down the policies that the government has implemented. But we often forget that they're human too and they yeah. really want to make a change as well. And I really like the words of um President Zelensky of, um, uh, of Ukraine who said that um, don't put my, so the president's posters up in your offices, but rather put your family and your kids' photos to remind yourself of what, why you're doing this work. Yeah. So I think that emotional approach is very effective in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and why do you think that young people should have a voice in policy making? Like, why do you think it's so important for adults to listen to young people yeah there, there's so many reasons and it, yeah. it should be the status quo at this point which is which is not so yeah that's why i want to make a change but um it's so important to listen to youth but because i, I like the saying that we're not only the future a lot of um, japanese people say you're the future so we're trying to make this better for you but what they often kind of like go yeah what they often forget is that um, we're the current as well and we're suffering with them as well so we want them to listen to our voices because we have those ideas that yeah. are not very molded by the status quo yet because we don't have that much responsibility in a good sense we're not part of the government yet we're not part of corporations yet we are in a sense not molded yet so our ideas are something that can actually influence um, Japanese society to change for the better because yeah. they're not ideas that have been given out before so I think that's one of the most important things that I wanted to tell to people is that yeah youth like participation is so important because we are the ones that are, can break down actually break down that system alongside adults as well yeah that's very inspiring that's very, <laughs> thank you yeah, it's very well put also it's mm. very well said mm. do you think that that is applicable everywhere in the world and not only in Japan definitely so I haven't lived in any other country so I can't speak for any other country but um, after talking to a lot of youth activists, I was pretty surprised to hear that something, the national problem that 
I thought plagued Japan, which was the lack of youth participation, the lack of diversity yeah. in politics and decision making, was something that a lot of youth, even in European areas and even in the United States, and also of obviously in Asia as well, is something that youth activists fight with the daily. And yeah. we often think that we're alone in that fight. But I like state of youth, obviously, because um, you bring together so many different youth with the same concerns. Yeah. Um, and like I think that sort of platform is very needed um, in order to make youth understand and actually acknowledge that you're not alone in this fight, not in, only in your country, but internationally. Nice. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. And so this brings me to the next, next question. What would you tell a young person, a child or a youth that wants to do something, wants to take action, but doesn't know how to start? Yeah, this might be kind of blunt, but I think the best thing to do before taking action is taking action. <laughs> Which yeah. is, it's the hardest part is actually kind of failing once at taking action to improve your next action and your next change that you want to make. So I've failed in many different events. I tried so many different events that didn't work, that no other people came to, um, campaigns that no other people kind of resonated with. And I think that's what makes your like advocacy stronger, not saying that I am like a professional in this because I'm definitely not. But I think it's so hard to take that first action but once you take it it's so easy mentally for you yeah. because you know that okay that was a failure but that didn't kill me basically there's a really funny problem proverb in japanese where it's like if you don't die nothing happened to you which is like i think very true for activism so if you take that first step i know it's hard but it can be a massive failure but it's going to lead to your overall success in the future so yeah nice. i think that's what i would say nice that's very nice <laughs> Do you have any tips or tricks to give to other young change makers from all over the world to, you know, what makes an activist better or some tips to improve their advocacy work or their activism work? I think it's very hard and that's why it makes it effective is being vulnerable about your pain and your suffering and what you like saw in the society that made you feel emotional because I think that's what makes successful advocates like for example Greta for example Malala that's what made them so successful and it's because the message resonated everywhere yeah. it's because they put their authentic selves out there and they definitely faced a lot of backlash for it which is why it's so hard but it was so effective and reson it resonated with a lot of youth internationally and I think that's what I aspire to be as well is to put my authentic self out there so someone else can put their authentic self out there again the, emotion the emotional approach yeah the emotional <laughs> approach <laughs> I found that nice. very <laughs> effective it comes yeah. back yeah it comes back nice. in circles. yeah no, that's very, very mm. powerful. <laughs> very cool. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, I wanted to ask you one last question. Mm. Um, do you have a message for the world? Like, do mm. you, you know, I know yeah. it's a hard question, but like, mm. is there something that you would like people around the world to know about you, about your work, about act your activism? Okay. Yeah. So I think I want the world to know that I definitely didn't do it alone. It's like, 
it's very easy to think that, and it's very easy to think that, oh, wow, this, it's this kid that's the anomaly, like the abnormality within Japan that made this great change, this great action. Yeah. But in actuality, it was the work of like hundreds of people that I worked with that allowed me to like be like featured in this great platform, for, for example, and also make the individual changes. It required so many people's hard work. And I think that's what make, made it so effective is because a lot of people jeopardized their own time for it yeah. and their own um, kind of like own schedule for it. And I think that's what I want the world to know is that like, although you feel alone, first of all, there's going to be people in your community or maybe in the other side of the world that want to help you um, in your advocacy journey. And also that I definitely didn't do it alone. There were so many people that helped me along the way, including my um, the person who I started my organization with, which was Tanishka, or um, like the city government of Nihama who jeopardized their time and their efforts to actually implement those ideas for us and the government of Tokyo and the, um, the, the corporation of Yuglena. Like those people really wanted to see change and kind of believed in me, I think, um, to kind of deliver their message. So I definitely want to say that I didn't do it alone. Nice. Yeah. How important it's a support system. Right? Yeah, a support yeah. system, very important. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's very nice. So thank you so much thank again you. for your time. Uh, <laughs> it was wonderful to talk with you. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening in and we are going to come back soon with a new episode. Thank you.